Section 14 of Confessions of an English Opium Eater. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Confessions of an English Opium Eater by Thomas de Quincey. Section 14. Many years ago, when I was looking over Piranesi's Antiquities of Rome, Mr. Coleridge, who was standing by, described to me a set of plates by that artist, called his dreams, and which record the scenery of his own visions during the delirium of a fever. Some of them, I describe only from memory of Mr. Coleridge's account, represented vast Gothic halls, on the floor of which stood all sorts of engines and machinery, wheels, cables, pulleys, levers, catapults, etc., etc., expressive of enormous power put forth, and resistance overcome. Creeping along the sides of the walls, you perceived a staircase, and upon it, groping his way upwards, was Piranesi himself. Follow the stairs a little further, and you perceive it come to a sudden and abrupt termination without any balustrade, and allowing no step onwards to him who had reached the extremity, except into the depths below. Whatever is to become of poor Piranesi, you suppose at least that his labours must in some way terminate here. But raise your eyes, and behold a second flight of stairs, still higher, on which again Piranesi is perceived, but this time standing on the very brink of the abyss. Again elevate your eye, and a still more aerial flight of stairs is beheld, and again is poor Piranesi busy on his aspiring labours, and so on, until the unfinished stairs and Piranesi both are lost in the upper gloom of the hall. With the same power of endless growth and self-reproduction did my architecture proceed in dreams. In the early stage of my malady, the splendours of my dreams were indeed chiefly architectural, and I beheld such pomp of cities and palaces as was never yet beheld by the waking eye, unless in the clouds. From a great modern poet I cite part of a passage which describes, as an appearance actually beheld in the clouds, what in many of its circumstances I saw frequently in sleep. The appearance, instantaneously disclosed, was of a mighty city, boldly say a wilderness of building, sinking far and self-withdrawn into a wondrous depth, far sinking into splendour without end. Fabric, it seemed, of diamond and of gold, with alabaster domes and silver spires, and blazing terrace upon terrace, high uplifted, 
here serene pavilions bright in avenues disposed there towers begirt with battlements that on their restless fronts bore stars illumination of all gems by earthly nature had the effect been wrought upon the dark materials of the storm now pacified on them and on the coves and mountain steeps and summits whereunto the vapours had receded taking there their station under a cerulean sky etc etc the sublime circumstance battlements that on their restless fronts bore stars might have been copied from my architectural dreams for it often occurred we hear it reported of dryden and of fuseli in modern times that they thought it proper to eat raw meat for the sake of obtaining splendid dreams how much better for such a purpose to have eaten opium which yet i do not remember that any poet is recorded to have done except the dramatist shadwell and in ancient days homer is i think rightly reputed to have known the virtues of opium to my architecture succeeded dreams of lakes and silvery expanses of water these haunted me so much that i feared though possibly it will appear ludicrous to a medical man that some dropsical state or tendency of the brain might thus be making itself to use a metaphysical word objective and the sentient organ project itself as its own object for two months i suffered greatly in my head a part of my bodily structure which had hitherto been so clear from all touch or taint of weakness physically i mean that i used to say of it as the last lord orford said of his stomach that it seemed likely to survive the rest of my person till now i had never felt a, a headache even or any the slightest pain except rheumatic pains caused by my own folly however i got over this attack though it must have been verging on something very dangerous the waters now changed their character from translucent lakes shining like mirrors they now became seas and oceans and now came a tremendous change which unfolding itself slowly like a scroll through many months promised an abiding torment and in fact it never left me until the winding up of my case hitherto the human face had mixed often in my dreams but not despotically or with any special power of tormenting but now that which i have called the tyranny of the human face began to unfold itself perhaps some part of my london life might be answerable for this 
be that as it may now it was that upon the rocking waters of the ocean the human face began to appear the sea appeared paved with innumerable faces upturned to the heavens faces imploring wrathful despairing surged upwards by thousands by myriads by generations by centuries my agitation was infinite my mind tossed and surged with the ocean may eighteen hundred and eighteen the malay has been a fearful enemy for months i have been every night through his means transported into asiatic scenes i know not whether others share in my feelings on this point but i have often thought that if i were compelled to forego england and to live in china and amongst chinese manners and modes of life and scenery i should go mad the causes of my horror lie deep and some of them must be common to others southern asia in general is the seat of awful images and associations as the cradle of the human race it would alone have a deep and reverential feeling connected with it but there are other reasons no man can pretend that the wild barbarous and capricious superstitions of africa or of savage tribes elsewhere affect him in the way that he is affected by the ancient monumental cruel and elaborate religions of indostan etc the mere antiquity of asiatic things of their institutions histories modes of faith etc is so impressive that to me the vast age of the race and name overpowers the sense of youth in the individual a young chinese seems to me an antediluvian man renewed even englishmen though not bred in any knowledge of such institutions cannot but shudder at the mystic sublimity of castes that have flowed apart and refused to mix through such immemorial tracts of time nor can any man fail to be awed by the names of the ganges or the euphrates it contributes much to these feelings that southern asia is and has been for thousands of years the part of the earth most swarming with human life the great officina gentium workshop of the races man is a weed in those regions the vast empires also in which the enormous population of asia has always been cast give a further sublimity to the feelings associated with all oriental names or images in china over and above what it has in common with the rest of southern asia i am terrified by the modes of life by the manners and by the barrier of utter abhorrence and want of sympathy placed between us by feelings deeper than i can analyse 
i could sooner live with lunatics or brute animals all this and much more than i can say or have time to say the reader must enter into before he can comprehend the unimaginable horror which these dreams of oriental imagery and mythological tortures impressed upon me under the connecting feeling of tropical heat and vertical sunlights i brought together all creatures birds beasts reptiles all trees and plants usages and appearances that are found in all tropical regions and assembled them together in china or Hindustan. from kindred feelings i soon brought egypt and all her gods under the same law i was stared at hooted at grinned at chattered at by monkeys by parroquets by cockatoos i ran into pagodas and was fixed for centuries at the summit or in secret rooms i was the idol i was the priest i was worshipped i was sacrificed i fled from the wrath of brahma through all the forests of asia vishnu hated me shiva laid wait for me i came suddenly upon isis and osiris i had done a deed they said which the ibis and the crocodile trembled at i was buried for a thousand years in stone coffins with mummies and sphinxes in narrow chambers at the heart of eternal pyramids i was kissed with cancerous kisses by crocodiles and laid confounded with all unutterable slimy things amongst reeds and nilotic mud i thus give the reader some slight abstraction of my oriental dreams which always filled me with such amazement at the monstrous scenery that horror seemed absorbed for a while in sheer astonishment sooner or later came a reflux of feeling that swallowed up the astonishment and left me not so much in terror as in hatred and abomination of what i saw over every form and threat and punishment and dim sightless incarceration brooded a sense of eternity and infinity that drove me into an oppression as of madness into these dreams only it was with one or two slight exceptions that any circumstances of physical horror entered all before had been moral and spiritual terrors but here the main agents were ugly birds or snakes or crocodiles especially the last the cursed crocodile became to me the object of more horror than almost all the rest i was compelled to live with him and as was always the case almost in my dreams for centuries 
i escaped sometimes and found myself in chinese houses with cane tables etc all the feet of the tables sofas etc soon became instinct with life the abominable head of the crocodile and his leering eyes looked out at me multiplied into a thousand repetitions and i stood loathing and fascinated and so often did this hideous reptile haunt my dreams that many times the very same dream was broken up in the very same way i heard gentle voices speaking to me i hear everything when i am sleeping and instantly i awoke it was broad noon and my children were standing hand in hand at my bedside come to show me their coloured shoes or new frocks or to let me see them dressed for going out i protest that so awful was the transition from the damned crocodile and the other unutterable monsters and abortions of my dreams to the sight of innocent human natures and of infancy that in the mighty and sudden revulsion of mind i wept and could not forbear it as i kissed their faces end of section 14 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey